0: Well, hello, hello, fellow dreamers, and welcome back to the Dream Your Life podcast. This is Julia, and I am so glad that you chose to be here today, truly. I am so pleased and excited for all of you to hear this conversation on the podcast with my friend, and the incredibly inspiring Julie Chang. So, I want to give you some context as to why I decided to bring Julie on today and what you're going to be getting from this conversation, how I hope that it serves you and just really my intention for sharing it. Julie is actually a friend of a friend. We met through our mutual friend Jenny, who is one of my bestest friends from college and she had met Julie while Jenny was living here in LA in Santa Monica. And Julie, I remember the first time I met her, maybe it was 10 years ago at Jenny's place. I knew that Julie was this successful entertainment anchor for good Day LA. I knew she was a new friend of Jenny's and she also knew my, my sister um, because they were both in the entertainment world. And, I also knew Julie was always out there interviewing celebrities and covering every big awards show. And so when I met her for the first time, I was sort of just fascinated and enamored by her presence. She just has this kind of jubilant magnetic energy about her. And she's just so nice and friendly. And yeah, I think magnetic is just the right word. Um, and then a couple of years later, so this would have been in early 2015. Um, again, it was, um, for an event for my friend, Jenny, it was her birthday party. Um, we were in at Nobu in Malibu and I sat next to Julie and her husband at this birthday dinner and, um, I was a few months pregnant with my daughter, Riley at the time. So this was my first and Julie and I started chatting because Julie had just had her first, um, she had had a little boy, and what had started as this light kind of like mom to mom swapping conversation quickly turned into me learning about Julie's absolutely incredible story. So at this point, the dinner was eight years ago. Now Julie was still at Good Day LA; she was still crushing it in the entertainment news world, but. She shared with me at that dinner what she had just recently gone through, which was discovering a golf ball-sized brain tumor, which almost killed her. Um, It had been there for 12 years in her head, in her brain. And then once she found it, um, obviously, she quickly and subsequently did an intensive brain surgery, which actually left her with only part of her vision. But as she was telling me about what happened, she also said it was the beginning of the best part of her life, and that the last couple of years, she had gotten engaged and married to her sweet, adorable husband, who was also at that dinner, and she had gotten pregnant against all odds, and she had her son, and all of this in the couple of years after finding this tumor. And I also started to hear just a little bit about this woman and her resilience and how she had moved to the States from Korea at nine years old. And then when she was 15, her parents went back to Korea and left Julie on her own to take care of herself. And she did. And she put herself through college, um, got scholarships, and then since college, she paved this incredible career for herself as an entertainment journalist and an anchor a career by the way i should add is almost impossible to break into for anyone let alone an immigrant from korea who raised herself on her own so i have been following julie's journey since then um we've connected here and there over the last few years um And then I saw when she left Good Day LA and she started all sorts of interesting and cool projects, including 940 Life, which 940 stands for the 940 weekends we have with our children from the time that they're born until the time they go to college. And she created this sweet little docuseries on YouTube that shares ideas to make time matter and that is her mission anyway this woman is to me the definition of inspiring and of course she is a master manifester i knew that having her on to share her story would light something up in the people who heard it i just didn't realize how much it would affect me as well and there were so many takeaways from our conversation and we just had this a couple of weeks ago but if I had to sum them up, they would be these three things. One, time matters. It is our most valuable, most important asset. We never get it back. So make the most of your time here. And from Julie's experience, she said, nothing teaches you to live like death. And so the experience of living And what we talk about today is is that it's truly a gift. So let's all make the most out of it. Number two is that resilience matters. Julie's story, as you'll hear, is one of resilience, continuous, constant resilience. She never gives up. And manifesting your dreams isn't just about creating the vision and doing the inner work and then, you know, taking inspired action. It's also about showing up and not giving up, getting rejected and continuing to go, 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 go. Even when you get big fat nose, it's about resilience And then number three, and I loved this so much, the way Julie says it in this conversation, but it's this idea that everything in your life is usable. Everything that you go through can be used for growth, for learning, and to bring it back to my earlier point, everything can be used to cultivate and strengthen your own resilience. Don't look back with regrets. Look back and try to see how you can use your experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly, to move toward your best, most aligned, most fulfilling life. Ugh, I cannot wait for you guys to hear this conversation with Julie. So without further ado, let's jump right in with the magnificent, incredible, Julie Chang. Hello, hello, I'm Julia, and this is the Dream Your Life podcast. This podcast is your guide to intentionally creating the life of your dreams. We talk purpose and passion and love and work and money and family and attaining abundance across all of these things. I'm here because I know from my own experiences that with the right mindset, all of us can live our dream life. So join me and start dreaming your life today. I am so happy
1: to have you here. I'm super honored, Julia, because I know this space is very much about high performing women. (laughs)
0: High-vibe, high-performing. High,
1: high, yeah, high-functioning. And so yeah. to just be included in this conversation, oh. I kind of feel like an imposter, but I'll oh. go with
0: it. Oh, my gosh. You are the literally the opposite of an imposter with everything you do. And I cannot wait to dive in. But um, before we do, I always start with gratitude, Julie, mm-hmm. which I know you do a lot of, too. But I would mm-hmm. love for you to share right now with the audience Three things that you are grateful for right now in your life.
1: Wow. Um, number one, um, I often call the ocean my church
0: because
1: mm. it's been such a spiritual healing place for me. Um, those of you that may know my story, the ocean literally saved my life. Um, it was the beginning of the discovery of my brain tumor, but also the place that allowed me to recover. So discovery and recovery. And I feel so grateful that out of the corner of my eye, I can see the ocean. And that has been one of my greatest manifestations is is always dreaming of living right by the ocean. Mm -hmm. And so really grateful for that.
0: that. Uh,
1: Also very grateful for my health and my family's health because health is truly your wealth. Um, Number three, I'm so grateful. And and I know this is going to sound corny, but I'm just so grateful that you find me interesting enough (laughs) and my path interesting enough to carve out precious time out of your podcast and your life to get to know a little bit more about me and share my Mm -hmm. story. Because Mm. um, the longer I live, the more I realize time is the greatest gift anyone can give you. So the fact that you're giving me this moment in time is really mm-hmm. special.
0: Well, and right back at you and um, and time, I mean, your, your whole, well, we're gonna get into that too, but yeah. um, I agree with you is time is our greatest asset and we never get it back. And so nope. right back at you, thank you for giving us your time today. And your story, Julie, I think is one of the most <laughs> incredible stories and you just started alluding to it a little bit and for people who don't know your story I feel like we do kind of have to share it right and maybe we we start with the ocean and what you were saying and and then um I'll be asking you some questions but let's just start with that tell us about you and what got you to this place here and I know resilience is a key theme here and in your life
1: yeah um my slogan in life always is that Key difference between resilience and struggle is your perspective. Mm
0: -hmm. I really
1: do believe that to the core. So I was a morning show broadcaster in New York on a show called Good Day New York. And before that, I was on a, a WPIX morning show, which is its rival, Channel 11 in New York. And I just always kind of was observant to my girlfriends in the city and those who were really thriving and what I quickly noticed was there was a very like hard cutoff of when you start resenting the city. And I want to say it's around like 10 years mm-hmm. because New York, as marvelous as it is, it's an intense place. Yeah. And you just put your head down to work and then you look up and all of a sudden you're 30 mm-hmm. or 30 something. You're not married you don't have a family. And that's all fine if that's what you want. Yeah. But what I found was that my in my personal circle, it was full of women who were so disgruntled with the city that it had sort of robbed them of that time because it was moving so fast that they never sort of got grounded and thought, oh, these aren't things that are just going to fall on my lap. Like, I have to plan to find a partner. I have to plan for a family. And so I just sort of put a little loose timeline on my head that I will always move out of New York in 10 years. And you think I it's still,
0: you thought it was the, the culture of New York City and not the industries specifically.
1: It's, it's a it's multiple prongs, right? The mm-hmm. city
0: is is
1: designed to only sort of support really big go getters because A, it's so expensive. Yeah. B, it's it's so competitive. Yeah. And then what happens is the men who you're dating or women, whatever whoever you're into, um what I found was, you know, I'm I I was dating men and they would they I was like just flooded with dates in my 20s. And then once you get to be successful and have a really thriving career. You start to like meet men who aren't so into that because they're like they want to be the hot shot in um, the in the relationship, right? Interesting. And then yeah. also it, it's a mindset of a city where you're always chasing the next best thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Where is
1: the next it restaurant? Where is the next it club? Where is the next it like Hamptons restaurant? Like whatever it is, and somehow that sort of inches into people. And so you're dating, but they're like always kind of looking to upgrade you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and so then you go into your 30s as a career woman and the guys in your age group are dating 20 somethings, you know, and there's multiple reasons for that. Right. And so uh, I just feel like that dynamic wasn't really working for me. And so I just uh, I talked to my bosses at the time at Fox and I said, hey, you know, um, I just really would love to do what I do here in New York, which was entertainment anchor on Good Day, New, uh, New York. Is there any way I could sort of move my position
0: to LA? And wait, can we just take a quick step back? Because, like, yeah, you have an incredible career. Like, I mean, do you think getting to that point? I mean, so how many people want to become an anchor on a tell, I mean, on a news show, that yeah. seems like the dream of, I mean, that was my dream when I was 14 years old was like, yeah. you know, being in this spot. like, do you think, and we don't have to get, you know, this isn't like a, this would be a 10 hour mm-hmm. conversation, but <laughs> to, to what got you there, was that also your mindset? Was that your first Oh, was like, probably
1: res- one of my greatest manifestations, but also my greatest white knuckling. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, so my parents and I moved to the, the States when I was nine. So I grew up in a household where my parents didn't even speak English. So the thought of me becoming a TV journalist was like, so out of the realm, you know, my parents like thought I was joking when I told them, you know, very typical Korean household. They wanted me to be a lawyer or a doctor or going to business. And so I did that. I, I studied econ- economics at Michigan. And I was all in route to become an investment banker. I had an amazing offer from Lehman Brothers, which doesn't exist. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to be an
0: iBanker. Wow, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, and I I went on an amazing trip that just probably the most profound experience in my life besides becoming a mother. Uh, I went on a trip on semester at sea which if you know, it's a study abroad yeah. program where the, the studying happens aboard a ship and you go around the world. And, um, I got on that ship and we went to, you know, everywhere from India to Cuba, to Africa, to, um, Africa is a continent. So Kenya and South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I just came back from that trip completely changed as a person. When you see how most of the world lives, that when you flick on the lights, lights are not guaranteed. When you turn on the faucet, water is not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. When you when you experience that, you just come back uh becoming a conservationist by default. You're yeah. like, "Oh, oh, things run out." Yeah. <laughs> and I just remember coming back and um not Nothing against my friends, but, like, they just didn't know. And the wastefulness of their everyday life really got to me. And I thought, you know, I wish I could have brought everyone on this trip with me and, like, had them meet people they normally would never cross paths with, right? And then that got me thinking, how do I do that? And TV was, like, the light bulb. I was like, that's how you vicariously take people to places. Mm. And... I told my parents and honestly, what they said to me was so Asian. (laughs) I was like, uh, I think I want to go into television. Like it, and my mom and dad go, why, what do we do to you? Why are you, why are you doing this to us?
0: Oh my God.
1: Yeah. And so, um, I didn't have their support off the bat, but I was like, you know what? I got to prove myself. And the minute they see, I can do it. Like, and also, by the way, at this very early juncture, I think acting was also calling me. But there's nothing that is more like a bigger nightmare to Korean parents than to be an aspiring actor. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, what kind of like in the same ballpark? But <laughs> let's rep, ease you know, our more, way in there. Yeah, like yeah. what's more respectable in their eyes. And so TV journalism was kind of like the ease gateway into that yeah. medium. Um, But turns out, like, those internships are really, really hard to come by as a non-journalism or non-communications major. I was an econ major. But goes to show, like, be nice to whomever you talk to because I called all the local TV stations in Detroit every day for 28 consecutive days. Uh, I befriended the receptionist at Fox, and she just said, you just seem like a nice girl. She's like, I could get fired for this, but why don't you just come in on a Friday and see who you need to meet? Like maybe like even see if this is what you really want to do. And in like my ill-fitting black suit that I like pieced together from my sister's closets, I showed up and like I met the news director, the head guy right away and it started like the following week.
0: (laughs) See, see to me, so you're probably like, I mean, a lot of people are like, okay, well, that's just, you know, calling 28 days in a row and not giving up. And to me, there's that component of it, but it's also the focus and the belief and the serendipity of that guy showing up right. And yeah. when you needed to see him, like, that's not something yeah. that you can white knuckle your way into.
1: Yeah, no. So it's been a big combination of universe really wanted this and, and me sort of stumbling and fighting my way through. And, um, yeah, so I, I did that internship and, um, this is probably a good lesson for young people that are listening, always do the work and the shift that no one else wants to, Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: that shows your commitment and work Mm. ethics. Right. So here I was a full day of classes at Michigan, um, and I was the only intern willing to do the overnights in Detroit. Wow. So I would go into Detroit at two am and I would go with the photographer and get sound bites of the latest fires or gun shootings or whatever it may be. And the news director remembered that, right? Wow. So when my internship was wrapping up, um i I got an incredible opportunity to study environmental studies at Oxford. and so, wow. um. It was all paid. It was full scholarship. So I was like, uh, like, I'm on this amazing internship path. And and he Neil Goldstein was the the gentleman's name who who gave me my first break. And he just said, you know what, if you come back from England without an accent, we'll start you on the path of getting on air. Whether. <gasps> it become, yeah. He's like, we'll start you off with producing roles and then we'll just kind of work our way up. So, like, I went to England at the time of my life. I was like, got a job lined up. I went to 27 cities, you know, hopping planes, had the best time. I come back from England. I call Detroit Fox up. I'm like, hey, I'm that. And the receptionist is like, oh, Neil Goldstein no longer works here. I'm like, mm-hmm. and um, I'm like, well, where is he? He has been promoted to the Fox flagship in New York. So, being I just crazy... got full
0: <laughs>
1: So, being the the crazy gutsy person, I call him in New York, and I'm like, "Yo, you promised <laughs> me a job. I don't have an accent." And um, he said, "You know what? I, I you're right." And he said, "Here's what I'll do. I'll get your foot in the door at Fox Toledo." You know, that's a great beginner's market for you. And we'll just, you know, best of luck. So Toledo, I I worked that job and then September 11th happened and they were going to try to hire me as a producer, but like the entire station went into a hiring freeze. So while working there for six months, I just kept sending out my tapes. This is like pre-internet, guys, so it probably dates my age, but I'm like <laughs> sending out giant VHS tapes at in Champaign-Urbana, and I um, get a general assignment reporter's position there. That's two hours south of Chicago. And a lot of farming stories, a lot of state fairs. <laughs> and um, the whole time, my sisters were living in New York, so every time I would go visit them, I would bring in my take to Neil Goldstein for critiquing. And um, the first three times he's like, you don't have it. He's like, I would start looking for like a backup career. Like, holy stinger, right? Um, but I just, I I don't know. I just kept working at it and polishing my well, when, like- when
0: he says that, like, because I think this is an important piece. When yeah. you get that kind of like feedback that stings to your core, not just because no one likes critical, negative feedback, but because this was something that you so wanted and that felt so aligned to you. How do you keep moving forward? And how do you convince yourself like, no, I am capable. I am even with this hotshot executive telling you, no, you're not.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it was like things I couldn't even change, right? He'd be like, oh, your face. I don't know about your face. Oh my gosh. You know, and you're like, (laughs) okay. Well, we're in LA, so you can do something about your face. But back then, (laughs) um, honestly, this is like another thing that I really hope people take away from our conversation is that everything that happens in your life, no matter how big of a setback it may appear, is usable. So I think about like the trauma of my childhood and so so much of the fear-based parenting and just like the harsh criticism and what I call, I, I package it nicely by saying it's uh, Korean tough love. It's so usable because my my most trusted circle were, was so harsh on me that by the time Neil Goldstein came around i was like this is just me needing to push harder and get better and prove him wrong
0: this is a challenge
1: yeah and i was very quick to realize it's a very subjective business yeah right so just as much as i like one talent on another one network and i can't stand another one or right. I, I just knew that initially he had seen the fire in me and that this other stuff I can work on. Right.
0: Oh, and Julie, so, I love that so much. And I just, I, I just want to say, I love the way that you said it's usable. I've heard, you know, a lot of people talk about your experiences can all be lessons, right. And mm-hmm. you can look back and, you know, the traumatic experiences were lessons when you, you know, when you were rejected, it was a lesson. The, fact that like you went through this horrible breakup that's a lesson all of this to make you stronger and I think sometimes it's hard to think about these things as lessons because then you're like what am I just always being tested but the way you position this is it's usable like you can use this to your advantage you can leverage them for your Mm -hmm. own resilience for your own motivation for your own beliefs
1: yeah yeah. And you just have to get that perspective. And you also have to give yourself the patience that so you don't know when it's going to play out. Right. Yeah, but yeah. You just like put it in your back pocket and you know, one day you you can play that card.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, um, yeah. So I just like, and by the fourth time I visited him, it was like the second year and I just laid it out. I, I said, Hey, I have to sign another two years in Champaign-Urbana because my contract is up. I need you to tell me like you can at least hire me as a freelance reporter because I cannot give up another two years of my life there. I mean, this is probably oversharing, but I mean, I did not have sex for those two years. Those were some dark times for Julie Chang. <laughs> uh, I live next door to Walmart, guys. That was like my hot Friday night. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh
1: oh my god wow. uh, yeah it was like probably like humping a tree down the court oh. like it was just oh not god. much going on these were some dark dark times yeah. um like oh my god <laughs> little sidebar story like we went to a dinner party and, and met another couple here in LA they were from Champaign-Urbana and like oh. My opening line to them was like, "Oh, you're from Champaign Urbana." That's when I didn't have sex for two years, and my my husband's like, he's like, Can "We have like a little warm up to that, like a little leeway."
0: Oh my God. That's why I love you. And that's why people love you. Is because of that. <laughs> I was like defibrillator. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wait. Yeah. So,
1: so I, I say that to him and he So is this on a,
0: th- a phone? Like, are you, are you doing this over no, phone? or No, I'm oh. in person. Oh, you're in, in person. person. Okay. Okay.
1: Which is so kind of him. He's running the flagship Fox station at the number one market in the country. And he's still carving out time for me. Yeah which is another like clue, right? Cause you're like, how many freaking interns are trying to keep in touch with you? Right? No,
0: this is, this is also, and I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you, but I just think it's like, there's so many things here. One is, um, and, and this is something we teach in our high school program, but it's mm-hmm. like the, the idea of networking or, um, you know, reaching out to someone, it doesn't end when they do the first favor, yeah. like, what you did was build a relationship, and he became what it sounds like your mentor. Yeah. And then it goes, it, it's so much deeper. And you did the work there to build and foster and maintain that.
1: And honestly, it has nothing to do with talent or skill set. He just saw that I was the only intern willing to go into the hood at 2 a.m. Yeah. So he knew like I had that hunger, and that was the only reason. He was carving out time for me. Like to get a meeting with the top news director four times, like doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so um that fourth time, I just laid it out to him. And I'm like, listen, it's probably if like I can't sign another two years there. So like if you like, maybe you're right. Maybe I need to go in a different direction. He's like super silent. He looked at my tape and he's like, I'm I'm like ready for him to like pierce me. And he says. I think you're ready. (gasps) And I said, ready for what? He's like, I think you're ready for New York. Mind you, Champion urbana is market 82. There's like about 230 uh, news markets in the U.S., one being New York and like, I don't know, Corpus Christi being like 150. It goes by viewership population. And he's like, tell you what, I have a photographer. If I get you a photographer in the next hour, Hillary Clinton is signing copies of her book in Midtown. Go and put together a mock package. If I like it, you can work here as a freelancer. If I don't like it, you know. So I have an hour to go put together a mock package about Hillary Clinton's book in like this bustling city. So I do it. I'm like, Wait, sorry, what do, is a mock
0: package?
1: Uh package is like a. Uh, you know, it, it would look like a story that a reporter you see on air. Oh, okay. but it's just like fake. And package is just basically fancy language, for like video interviews, videos, interviews. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Me fronting and tagging the story. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> I bring it back and he, lo and behold, he's like, I think you're ready. And so I get a freelance, um, offer verbally. I go back to champagne. I'm like, whoa, like, you know, cut my lease, cut everything. And then I kid you not, two days before I moved to New York, he gets fired. And because everything was done verbally, there's nothing to guarantee that I can work as a freelancer. I have $600 in my bank account because my Champagne Urbana job paid $17,000 a year. And because my parents were so negative about me going into this field, I could never ask them for a dime. You know what I mean? Like I wanted, I wanted, To be right. Yeah. uh, yeah. uh, On my own terms. Yeah. And so at that point, I just took a leap of faith. I'm like, you know what? He's a harsh critic. And if he saw that I was ready, someone else is bound to see it too. And um, luckily, my sister let me crash on our futon. And so I just like bit the bullet and moved. And within a few weeks, I hired an agent in the city. And then I became a freelance hire at WPIX their rival morning show. And during my four years there, um, it became the number one morning show. Not because of me. I think I just like caught the wave at the right time. But because we became the number one show, Fox started calling me under a new leadership, right? And said, we really love what you're doing over there. How can we bring you over? And I kid you not, I made up stuff because I was like, they're never going to give, like, I was so happy at WPIX. I was like, they're never going to give me like all that I asked for. So I just, I didn't want to insult them by just flat out saying no. So Mm. I just like suggested a list of like craziest things that I felt like I could manifest, which was I wanted a year off to live in Europe and I wanted a six figure salary and you know, mind you, I'm like 24. And um Fox said, okay.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. So I and, went, yeah. And there so you I went. go To The lesson there, ask for it also. Like ask yeah. for what you want.
1: Yeah. I mean, because let's let if you already have a good situation, everything else from that point on is gravy. But
0: mm-hmm. so what
1: are you gonna lose? Right? Yeah. So um, so, yeah, at that time, I was doing a long distance relationship with the guy that lived in London. So I went and lived in London for a year.
0: Not working at all. Not working at all. Not working at all. Was this the guy yeah. you met at Oxford?
1: No, I met him. I met this guy in New York, but he was mm-hmm. uh, he was European. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then I came back and, and like talk about crazy timing. So I get back and I signed my contract at Fox. And mind you, I was a reporter at WPIX at Fox. I di- I asked for an anchor role on the morning show, doing entertainment only, so that I could stay out of the phrase of like death and destruction.
0: Literally, the dream job. Yeah,
1: and they're like, oh, okay. We've we've never had an entertainment anchor in the morning. We've only done it at 10 p.m. But
0: okay, so it. Yeah. I
1: mean,
0: really- this isn't. Inc- First of all, I can't believe we almost didn't do this part of the story. Like that's kind of the craziest part.
1: <laughs> so then I, I uh, signed my contract at Fox and honestly, like the money, I couldn't even fathom it. I was like, this is, this is wild. I thought I could only make this kind of money, like becoming an investment banker and in, like, and like five years after I yeah. like break my back. Right. And uh, eight days after I signed my contract, the the stock market crashed. And every single station went into a hiring freeze. So like, I just got in like by mere days, like contracts that were drafted a day or two days after mine. They never, they, go they never ended up working. It didn't,
0: wow. it didn't work
1: out. And so incredibly lucky. I did great. Um, You know, I had, a, I, I, I don't know if I did great, but it, like, it was a great time to be on good day. Uh, New York because also they were like starting to come up in the ratings and so then I was there gosh five six years and that's when I talked to my seniors at Fox and said how can I sort of make the switch to LA and they said you know funny enough the same anchor team that's been in place for 17 years is being broken up 17 years they've had the same three people on that on the show and the one time that I'm interested in making the leap, there is actually a, a possibility. They do a, all nationwide audition. The I mean, because it's an L.A. show, like every celebrity comes. In
0: right. Right.
1: So they do an audition for like eight months. Every week they brought someone in new. And so I flew out from New York, auditioned. And then six months later, I got the job. Like, I just did it, kind of forgot about it, and then I got it, and I I, I want to say it was, like, three months shy of, like, my 10-year anniversary in New York, and that was my, like, manifestation deadline. Wow. I was like, I want to get out of New York in 10 years, <gasps> while I still loved it, you know? And, and so, yeah, and so then I was at um, Fox Good Day LA for seven years. And then um, that journey, those seven years, definitely not boring because I got a brain tumor, I got married, I had two kids, and um, yeah, and, and here we are today.
0: And here we are today. Okay, <laughs> I, my first question is, is you yeah. know, you, you've you said lucky a couple times, but like, <laughs> luck, tell me about that. Do you think it was lucky I mean, obviously there's Mm -hmm. thousands of people who probably auditioned for that role. And I'm not saying that you think you're the you've made it clear. I don't think that I'm the best of all of them. But what is it that allowed you to get all of these opportunities? Like, is is there a part of it that is that is luck? You
1: know, I do think part of it is luck. But like this is a mantra I tell my son all the time. I never expect you to win, but I want you to prepare to win.
0: Yes. So
1: I think for me, I just, whether it's my relational stuff with executives and other colleagues and even interns, you like, this is another advice I give interns. I'm like, you network up, you network down, you network sideways. You just never know how and where these people are going to end up. Yeah. So um, I just was, um, yeah, just trying to keep genuine relationships and also, you know, perform well and and I think all of that just put me in a place where I was like prepared to win.
0: Yeah, I
1: love but that. Also, the mindset for me was like, if not this, something else will work out. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Uh, two things on that. One is um, the kind of preparing for the best case or preparing for the thing to happen. I think that that's such a key piece and it's something that I always practice. And I know that there's a lot of people who say, no, prepare for the worst. So you're not let down. Yeah. Why would you prepare for the worst? and you're just let down during the whole time of preparing for the worst. And then you're let down again. I think that it's such a big piece of manifesting too, is that acting as if it's making room, it's getting ready. And if it doesn't happen, then to your point, this or something better. And that if you, if you move through life like that way, you will see that that's the way it plays out. I I mean, right. Right. Well, you've heard that, that saying
1: in sports, right? Like you're in the zone, Uh you know, I think about that more in surfing context context because I I love surfing and in surfing, you want to be in the part of the wave called the pocket. So it's as the wave is undulating, you want to be just ahead of the whitewash as Mm -hmm. it's undulating behind you. Mm -hmm. And the way you get into the pocket is once you pop up, it's where your eyes go. You're bored and you end up where your eyes go. And for me, when you think about the worst outcomes, your eyes are on the worst outcomes and your body is like directionally going in that that position. Right? And so it's like, that's how I think about it. I'm like, how are you going to stay in the pocket? Where are your eyes? Because that's where the momentum is going to go.
0: Oh, that is one of the most beautiful analogies, metaphors, I guess, for manifesting too. Mm -hmm. You create the vision but then move towards it and yeah. don't get distracted by all these negative limiting beliefs that are telling you to look over here or look yeah. on your board or look at the other guy. Like, yeah, look at where you're going.
1: When people first start surfing, the first place they look is down.
0: Mm-hmm. That's why they're all in the water. That's me. That's me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all in due time. Yeah. But you know, it's just like that feeling when you're in the pocket you are just gliding and you oh, hear it's slow. The the, it's slow, literally. And you hear the whitewash behind you propelling you forward. And you're just like, I am doing nothing except for keeping my eyes where I want to go.
0: This is you know so, so beautiful. This is I just I love it so so much. And I, I feel like we have to get to the part of your story where everything kind of crash down for a moment, like the big (laughs) thing that happened.
1: I don't have any regrets in life, but I think if I were to sort of pump the brakes in certain chapters, this probably would be it. So I was thriving in the broadcasting space. I like honestly beat all the odds, right? Like non-native English speaker, Michigan girl, like just All of it didn't make sense, except for the fact that I just had sheer will to make it happen, right? But it's a fine balance of are you being ambitious or are you white-knuckling the whole time, right? And I think for me, it was a little bit too much white-knuckling because by the time they discovered that I had a fist-sized brain tumor in my head, they can estimate how long it's been in your head by the growth rate. At that time, they said, it's been in your head for 12 years. At that moment, I'd been doing a morning show for 12 years, waking up between the hours of 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. for 12 years. And so um, I think it's almost impossible for health Health professionals to pinpoint what causes a brain tumor, especially if you don't have it as a family history. But for me, that's a little too coincidental, right? Morning show for 12 years, brain tumor has been in my head for 12 years.
0: Was it stress? I think- Was it stressful the morning show? I mean, the waking up so early or yeah, I
1: think for the I think number one cause of stress, I think for most people is just sleep deprivation. Yeah. And because I was like 24, making good money in the city, I I just thought like I could defy sleep. I was like, I would sleep two, three hours midday. I would go to dinner at 10 p.m., out with some friends, roll into work at 1 a.m.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And I did that for years. I was a zombie. But I was like thinking, you know, it, you know, um. I know we live in a culture just generally that glamorizes the grind, but if you live in New York, it's a next level of glamorizing the grind, you know? And so um you're almost like a, a failure if you're not pushing too hard in New York, at least at that time in my 20s. And so I think my body, the lack of sleep, transferred into stress. And it just manifested this brain tumor. And so, you know, that's probably where I would have maybe been a little less aggressive, been more uh, prioritizing of my sleep and my health. Yeah. Um, Which is, I think, so hard in your 20s because you're young and you feel like you have the energy and you're like, just one more coffee and, you know, it'll be good. And um, I just didn't. I just didn't check in with my true wellness, you know, barometer inside. And um, I say that, but again, I really do go back to everything in your life is usable. Yeah. And so um, when I moved to California, I was like, you don't move to California to not surf. Like I'm going to become a surfer. (laughs) And so um, I I take up the sport and... This is the part where even if you're not religious, I think you'll be kind of fascinated by my story. So I'm so novice to the sport that I go surfing at sunset when there's no waves. It's like glass, you know, like I didn't even know there was a thing called the surf report like that tells you when the tide is right and the wind. But I, I wouldn't even know how to read that. So I just like kind of went because I was like, oh, it's pink skies. It's pretty. I'll go. There's no waves. So I'm like, okay, I might as well just hop off the board, sit down in like the shallow area and just admire this gorgeous, like purple sorbet melting skies. And the Velcro on the surf leash is really hard to undo. So it makes no sense, but for some reason it became undone. And I'm like, that's really weird, because a, I didn't even ride a single wave, and like you have to like usually use two hands to rip that off. So I'm looking down on the water to see where my surfboard went, and the surfboard pops out and gives me the biggest black eye. and I'm like, what the heck? because there's no waves for even for it to pop out like that. And it's when I went to get the CT scan on my face to make sure I didn't break my orbital is when they discovered that I had a
0: this size brain tumor, oh, like, well, I, and I and I have full goosebumps, and I know this story. This this part of the story I know, yeah. But when you saying, you know, whether you're religious or not, I mean, to me, there's so much spiritual meaning behind that too. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you, I. This is also very top of mind for me because I had a medium on the podcast who talking talking about spirit guides and how. We literally, our, our spirit guides will knock us off the up our path if we're not following like a certain path or not following purpose yeah. or working too hard and like that can manifest as an accident or, I mean, this has that like. Totally
1: in my face, like total divine intervention. And I was so symptomatic when I moved to LA, I I was calling out sick once a week. Like I was like one of those psycho people in New York. I never called out sick because on air, when you call out sick, you are giving another person a chance to basically audition for your job. Yeah. So like for 10 years, I like barely called out sick as like if ever. And then I come to LA and I'm calling out sick once a week. And I honestly felt like I was losing my mind because the tumor was sitting on my sensor so one week I would only taste metal in my mouth. One week I couldn't hear out of my right ear. One Julie, I,
0: how are you not going to the doctor?
1: You no, know, like, and then one week I like the most common one was like the 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 prompter would just go black, like squiggle and black, like I, my vision would entirely go. And so I called a friend who was a neurosurgeon, and I'm like, hey, I I don't know what's going on. And he's like, do me a favor. There's a colleague I practice with in UCLA. She's pro- private practice. She rarely takes on new patients, but you know, she'll do me a, uh, a favor. I get in with her. She shines a flashlight in my eye. And she's like, oh, this happens all the time when people relocate to LA from New York. It's different allergies, different barometric pressures, stress of a new job. We'll just start you on these migraine pills and you know we'll check back in a, in a few weeks. So turns out those migraines were actually seizures because you're not supposed to lose your entire eyesight for 10 minutes. Your whole body isn't supposed to go numb. But it was hard for me to tell because I wasn't having convulsions like most people think with seizures, right? So I I I I felt like I was going. I was like hallucinating because of the symptoms were all over the place. So two months after I saw that neurologist is when I got into the surfing accident and when they discovered that I had a tumor. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I know. I I have to ask, did you go to the neurologist and be like, this is, she she won't
1: even take my call because I think she's so scared of a lawsuit. But honestly, I have no interest in suing her. I just want her to know that just because someone is young and looks healthy, like there's a reason why scans exist, right? The technology exists so you can take the mystery out. Yeah. So like shining a flashlight in someone's eye and then putting them on like migraine horse pills, like Maybe that, like, you saw a clear scan, you know. But I I just am so confused as to why she didn't prescribe a scan.
0: Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So life changing moment for you there. What happens afterwards? Where? What brought you to where you are today? Because I could again talk to you for hours and hours.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, for me, that was clearly a sign. My body was like, don't like this. Don't like this lifestyle, right? Because even here, um, I was going in at four, five in the morning. And then during award season, I would work Sunday night till midnight. Then I would come home and sleep for two hours and go back in at 2 a.m. So, um, but this is like where my resilience can also be my worst enemy, right? So I had Mm -hmm. the tumor out successfully. I did lose half my vision. So I don't have the peripheral, uh, the right half of each eye. But when you go through the brain tumor journey, you quickly realize on the grand scheme of things, that's like you're walking away from it pretty unscathed. So I was just kind of like, oh, survive, like feels good, you know. And I gave five more years after the mm-hmm. I got the tumor out. And finally, I started having seizures again. And my husband and I sat down and he's like, you know, I think you're so good at what you do. But he's like, but I just kind of feel like you're waiting for someone's permission to say you can do something else. You know, he, wow. and,
0: that is and, profound.
1: Yeah. He's just like, you don't need to do this for us. Like, if this is what you want to keep doing, that's fine. But he's like, I just feel like you're not enjoying it anymore. And your body is telling you this isn't working. And you just somehow need me to tell you, like, you have my permission,
0: but yes. I want you
1: to give yourself permission. And so I, um, my contract was done in April, but four months before, in December, when I took off for Christmas, I just never went back. Yeah. And COVID happened, you know, it, it, during that span. Mm-hmm. And so with my brain tumor history, you know, I, I I'm in a vulnerable category. So it just, like god like talk about the universe having my back right it was like you you did good you did 17 years yeah like you're good yeah and so then i started reading all of these books and i'll show you a little visual yeah so um in the context of manifesting stuff, once in a oh. while I like to do a, a vision board. Oh
0: yeah, that's yeah uh, oh, yeah. So that's this, a beautiful vision board. Oh thank you. You know, I wait, I gotta take a, a screenshot of this. Hold on. So I can remember. Yes, I love it. I love yeah, it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know I'm big behind that belief of life force like your relationship with yourself your body and others so a lot of that is all this but do you see this Mr. Miyagi right here
0: oh yeah yeah
1: and and karate kid well I put that on there and like my friend who I made the like uh the vision board with by the way it's such a fun activity to do with friends
0: oh it is and with kids by the way
1: yeah she's like what is this all about like what's Mr. Miyagi about And I just said, you know, I feel like the first half of my life was so much about being the student, being selfish, being a taker, like everything was about, I want to do this so I can have this lifestyle. I want to do this so I can be perceived this way. And I said, this next half, I would love to make the shift to service.
0: Mm.
1: You know, I've been giving all these incredible opportunities and so how do I use the talent and the the experience to give back and serve others? I feel like that's what Mr. Miyagi symbolizes for me. Oh. Four oh. days later, I got a teaching offer from USC to teach TV journalism. Oh. And so I've been teaching a sophomores TV journalism.
0: <laughs> and you know, right, I think you got, when we've, reconnected mm-hmm. um I guess it was it was before this year no like a few months ago when I was I, like Julia t- yeah yeah you was, was just, like total- you, yeah you had just gotten that I think yeah and you had so how's it going it's
1: so it's so rewarding it's a lot of work it's a yeah. lot of work and yeah I just like um I love explaining everything and I love yeah. showing and doing but yeah. I like hate grading. I just, oh. I don't, don't want to like hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to be the source of their therapy one day.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> uh, I, oh. Um, but they're real sweet. 16 kids who are just really, I just shouldn't say kids. That's like so insulting. 16 scholars <laughs> yeah. who are very much interested in being on TV for different things like, you know, sports journalists, fashion journalists, entertainment and journalist. Yeah.
0: Oh, oh, I love this so much. And um,
1: it's a trip being on campus. If you ever want to feel super old, like go on campus. Oh yeah,
0: no, <laughs> I mean, or just, yeah. Every time I see any anyone in their young twenties, I think they're like 12, 13. And then they're like, no, no, they're in college. I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. And um, you know,
1: I put so, many of, so much of my life on Instagram um, yeah. and it's like, now I'm like, what am I putting on there that is like super inappropriate for my yes. students? Cause they all talk to me through that. Like they ask me about all of their assignments. Oh through my God. And I'm like, Oh,
0: God. oh no, <laughs> no, keep doing you. It's amazing. Um, I, I wrote one quote cause I just loved it. You, it was in one of your reels. Um, oh, okay. And it's, it's someone's, it's not your quote, but it's yeah. you said nothing teaches you to live like death. And, um, I just want you to speak about that a little bit because now, Mm. you know, you are living life and I want you to tell us a little bit more about all the different things you have going on, but from that context.
1: Uh, Yeah. So when I was going through the whole brain tumor surgery journey, when I was going through the whole brain tumor journey, I was in the ICU and um, you just really reflect a lot because they give you the whole gamut of what could be the outcome. And they're pretty serious. And so you start really reflecting on your life and thinking about, okay, if it ends today, am I am I happy with the kind of life I led? Mm-hmm. And if not, what more w- w- do I wish for yeah. that I would have done while I had the time?
0: Yeah.
1: And none of it was like, I wish I would have covered one more Oscars or like, Mm -hmm. I wish I would have won another Emmy or like, it was like none of that. It was just amazingly all about relations with Mm -hmm. my, my loved ones. um, And did I leave this planet a little bit better than I came into it? And, and so That was like the moment. And for a long time, my screensaver on my phone and my desktop at home was me right out of brain surgery. Mm -hmm. Because I remember thinking, I never want to complain about trivial stuff. Because these are the worries I wish I would have had when I was this sick. And so it just brings me back a little more groundedness of uh, don't sweat the small stuff. You know what I mean? Like if you are here on earth breathing and you have all your basic needs met, everything else is gravy. Mm-hmm. Everything else is extra. And when you start looking at your life like, "Oh my god, like how awesome is it when you like don't even know and you get like a bonus something or you get a free ticket somewhere or you like, you know what I mean? Like that's the that's the feeling you want to chase cuz like none of this is guaranteed. None mm-hmm. of this is guaranteed. And so I want that to be the lesson without anyone else having to get really sick, like learn through me that you don't have to go through like <laughs> fighting for your life um, to realize that like all of this, if you can train your mind to be is bonus. It's it's just all extra.
0: Oh, I love that so, 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 so much. I'm going to bottle that up. <laughs> And I'm going to put it right here and I'm just going to drink it up like every mm-hmm. time I need, I need to hear it because it's just it is. And that's that's life is. Yeah.
1: Listen, I I am human. I will complain yeah. about traffic. I will complain, you know. Yeah. But but then the the whole big thing is like I, I take a moment to try to like carve out time to reflect.
0: <sighs> when I get to that yeah.
1: space and I'm like complain. I find myself complaining a lot. I I step back and I, I I immediately make myself rapid fire list ten things I'm grateful for.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, rampage of appreciation. Yeah, I like and kind of I that. also make a huge milestone
1: celebratory for every anniversary that passes for my surgery. You know, and yeah. and just to take you back to that space. You know, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Celebrate, celebrate life, celebrate the wins, and celebrate all those milestones yeah. that are yeah life is a gift it really yeah. is mm-hmm. um all right Julie I I gotta go pick up my kids in three minutes so um I would Me love too. yeah oh perfect okay so um can you share and I'm gonna put all of this in the show notes but how mm-hmm. people can connect with you what you have going on right now where mm-hmm. people can find your stuff
1: yeah um so I have a movie coming out I haven't mm-hmm. filmed it yet. I film it a little like in a few weeks, um, but I will put all of the latest information on my Instagram at truly julie chang. Yeah. I also have the same handle for YouTube at truly julie chang. So search that on YouTube and YouTube is great because that's the space where I feel like I'm the most myself. Like I can let pieces breathe as opposed to like a 30 second reel. Yeah. Um, and also for some reason that space has been really hard for me to grow. So hopefully you'll show me some love there. Yeah. Between Instagram and and YouTube, um, I hope your audience and I can connect. All those folks in Lithuania, this podcast is number three there. (laughs) What? What? We are huge in Lithuania.
0: (laughs) All right, and for those of you who are still here, still listening, thank you so much for your support. What I would love, what I would appreciate more than anything is if you could take a couple of minutes right now to rate and review the podcast. If you are finding value, if you are enjoying it, this is the best way to get the podcast out to more people. It's just the way that the algorithm works. So if you could take a minute or two right now, drop a rating, drop a review on iTunes or just drop a rating on Spotify. If that's where you're listening, I would appreciate it so much. And when I see these reviews come in, I cannot tell you how much they mean to me. Truly, truly, truly. They mean so much to me and just getting your support in this way. I feel it. So Either way, I am sending you so much love and light and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll see you back here next Friday for another episode. Sending love and light.